This week on Missions Today. When our family moved down to Saigon and my, my dad especially began working with the Vietnamese military, I would travel with him. We'd fly by helicopter into dangerous areas. I remember once going with the colonel, the commander of the Rangers, and we had to put on flak jackets where we went, but everywhere we went, my dad was preaching. I was able to participate in handing out Gospels of John and assisting in that. But every night, I've told folks, you know, it just, anybody who served in Vietnam, every night was bombing. I mean, we just got so accustomed. It was not even a big deal. Wow. Obviously, most of us never grew up with bombs exploding around us every night. But in the midst of that, our guest this week was learning to serve Jesus in one of the most challenging places on earth. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. David Hunt grew up as a child of missionaries in the heart of Vietnam. 16 years he grew and learned and learned to love people just like his parents. Years after leaving Vietnam, David became the leader of an organization that was founded by his father, Garth Hunt, WorldServe Ministries in Canada. WorldServe focuses on offering help and support to the suffering church and distributing God's word. Most recently, David founded The Most Important Story, a printed animated version of the story of God's love and sacrifice for us. You're gonna hear today another powerful story of how God reaches out and uses a person that's just willing to say yes. David, great to have you with us on Missions Today. Thank you so much, Colin. It's a real privilege to be with you today. Let's talk a little bit about your growing up years. I think you had a childhood that many uh, would never even dream of. Talk for a moment about the early years of your life. My parents were called to be missionaries to Vietnam in 1957. And so I uh, was in the arms of my parents as we landed in Vietnam, really before the U.S. involvement in the war, before the age of one, and then uh, lived there for the next 16 years. And my mom and dad were very involved in ministry throughout the country. My dad eventually became in charge of church planning and evangelism throughout the country. And as kids, we were a big part of everything they did. Uh, Tell me about how you came to know Christ. Obviously, you were surrounded by mission and ministry, but how personally did you come to know Christ? Yeah, it was in, uh, in Saigon, Vietnam. And we were uh, attending the church there where the missionaries would attend. And I think I was either eight or nine. I forgot to ask my parents. They both passed now. uh, At what age? And I just remember one of the missionaries gave a message. And I don't know why, but the, the Holy Spirit just really spoke to my heart. And I just remember going forward, just bawling my eyes out. And that was my first personal encounter with the Lord. And then later on, you know, as our school had to be evacuated from Vietnam, we were at boarding school. And then my next real encounter with the Lord was at the age of 16, when I really recommitted my life to the Lord in a real knowledgeable way, understanding God's word. And uh, so that was sort of the key ages were eight and 16, I, I would say. Being surrounded by mission and by ministry, did you feel like that you wanted to go into that from a young age or were you against going into the same thing that your parents were doing? Well, interesting. Neither really. You know, when we were as, you know, kids of pastors or missionaries, you know, everything our parents did, we were part of. So, you know, we would go to the services at the the military hospital in Vietnam. Um, and I was never, I never felt called, to be honest. And, but as I, as later on in life, and I wasn't opposed to it either, it was just such a natural thing. And later on, as I grew older in my college years, 
that's when I just was saying to the Lord, you know, sort of the Isaiah's commission when the Lord said, who will go for us? And, you know, and I just said, okay, Lord, I'm available, not knowing what that meant. I want to come back to that a little later, the calling. But for a moment, let's stay in Vietnam. Obviously, your family was there deeply engaged in ministry. And then things begin to change and, and get very dangerous at some points. Talk for a moment. Give us a little bit of, of the taste of your story related to uh, the beginnings of the war, how you or your family got out. Give us a little bit of background on that. Well, it became, we were really like the Vietnamese as you become so accustomed to it. So we were there really before the major fighting started in the late 70s and early 60s. And then, you know, it, it grew and grew. Our family was initially, uh, my parents were stationed up in Quang Tri, which is right by the DMZ. And, you know, remember seeing Viet Cong even, you know, as a, as a young boy. And then when our family moved down to Saigon and my, my dad especially began working with the Vietnamese military, I would travel with him. We'd fly by helicopter into dangerous areas. I remember once going with the colonel, the commander of the Rangers, and we had to put on flak jackets where we went. But everywhere we went, my dad was preaching. I was able to participate in handing out Gospels of John and assisting in that. But every night I've told folks, you know, it just anybody who served in Vietnam every night was bombing. I mean, we just got so accustomed. I, it was not even a big deal. I mean, we were just it was just part of life there. But as the war progressed, it became more and more dangerous. As you know, I'm sure from history, a number of our missionaries were killed. Uh, classmates of mine, they lost their parents. Uh, many, many people we knew were who served were drafted into the Vietnamese military. They they've lost their lives as well. So we became rather accustomed to that, uh, and especially at the Vietnam, the Gamwa Hospital in Saigon, where my mom and dad ministered, we saw just terrible, terrible suffering. And I think later in life, the Lord has really used that to sort of a sensitivity to those who are suffering. But yeah, the war years got really difficult. We left in 1972 uh, on our scheduled furlough and never went back because my dad was working very much with the generals in Vietnam and knew that the war was not going well. And uh, so we never went back at that point. But my dad did in uh, April of 1975. And he and Larry Ward, the founder of Food for the Hungry, assisted in some 1600 Vietnamese to escape. And that was my dad's last time there during that that phase of the fall of Vietnam. Uh, talk about your time after you left Vietnam. What was next for you? Well, finished high school and then uh, not knowing what the Lord wanted me to do. I went to Bible college and just uh, my dad asked me to help out. So I began helping out. He established a ministry called World Serve in Canada. And then in about 1983, he got very ill and uh, we thought we we're going to lose him. So on what I thought his deathbed, I said, Dad, if you need me to come in and help, I, you know, full time, I will. Well, and the rest was history. So I never had a plan, Colin. It was from about 1983 on. I just began to serve the Lord. And then, you know, the Lord kept me in there. And I never, you know, wanted to had any desire to become the president of the organization. But the, my dad and the board wanted me to. And so in 1992, I became the, the head of the ministry. But that was never my desire. I just wanted to be available to the Lord. Talk for a moment about uh, that experience as you began uh, to take over the organization and began to move forward with that. What, what did the Lord put on your heart? What kinds of things did you begin to work on? Primarily, I guess, because of my involvement in Vietnam was everything that we did, we had to be involved with the Word of God and distributing the Word of God. 
So when I began with as president of World Serve, that was my top priority. And then the Lord, you know, moved us very miraculously into Russia and the Lord uh, used us there in, in big ways in terms of working with the military and the educational system. But I think going back to Vietnam falling under communism, you know, the countries that the Lord really put on my heart at that time were Russia first, then Cuba, then Vietnam and China, and never never had a plan to do that. And so in all those countries, we worked very much with the indigenous church, the major denominations, providing God's word, and especially to help what the Lord put on my heart was to help those suffering for their faith, standing for the gospel, the pastors in prison in China uh, and in Vietnam especially. When you took over the organization, began to branch out and do the work that you've described, do you feel like anywhere in there, did you ever feel like this is what I was called to do, this was my calling, or were you just, it sounds almost through your life that you were just kind of taking it as it came. Yeah, I, I guess at some point I would have arrived at that conclusion that, you know, that was truly my calling, but I I was, I've called it, Colin, very often God's freight train, just because the Lord opened up such incredible doors uh, for us, and I just wanted to be faithful to Him. So whether he, whether it was Russia or Cuba, China or Vietnam, those countries in particular, just the Lord opened up such amazing doors of ministry. And so I, I did at some point, I'm sure, conclude that, yeah, this for sure is what I was called to do. And was, I loved doing what, what we've done in all these years, you know, in publishing the word of God and then in helping God's suffering servants. Those are the two main categories, you know, that I've served with. It's quite an impactful career. And, and obviously the ministries that you've worked with have been very uh, substantial as well, impacting so many people. Before we get to the most important story, which uh, is really the focus of our conversation today, Talk for a moment, maybe a story or two about how the work you did at WorldServe out on the front lines was impacting individuals. What, what did that look like on the ground? The first big thing that the Lord did was in 19, about 1990 to 92 or 3 in Russia. And here the Lord took us there. And my dad and I both felt that we were called there. But we, we knew nobody, Colin. I mean, just we didn't know anybody or anything about Russia other than it's communist. And I didn't like the KGB. So when we got there, the Lord miraculously had us meet two generals, General Viktor Andreev and General uh, uh, Nikolai Stolarov, who was the commander in chief of all the armed forces of the, the Confederation of Independent States after the Soviet Union dissolved. And those two men, you know, not knowing this at all, that how the Lord would have us to work with them. We actually brought them to the States and to Canada on a tour. And, and those two men were not only impacted personally, you know, in their faith and with the word of God and the being exposed to the Christian public here in the U.S. and Canada, but then the Lord opened up for us through them to do a special New Testament that General Stolarov wanted us to do for the officers of Russia. And he told us at our first meeting, he said, the situation in Russia is hopeless and the only hope for us is an economic and spiritual rebirth based upon God's word. And this was a Russian general. and former deputy chief of the KGB. And I'm thinking, how is this possible? You know, I mean, it just blew our minds. But then the Lord opened up that door. We produced 100,000 of those New Testaments. And then we met Dr. Bramoff, who worked with the Moscow Institute for the Development of Educational Systems, a mouthful. <laughs> but uh, they had rewritten the first uh, textbook in Russia in 73 years, taking out Marxist-Leninist thought. And he asked us to help him produce that. And the Lord helped us raise the funds. And we produced uh, half a million copies. And those were distributed 
uh, or not just distributed, but used in the Russian school system under the approval of the Ministry of Education. So the, the individual stories, so many individuals were touched along the way. But, you know, also the Lord just allowed us to have such a major impact, you know, through the doors that he opened. Tell me where the most important story came along. How did that develop? What were its origins? In about 1992 or so, 92, 93, I began traveling more to various countries. And, uh, and a lot, every, every denominational leader we were meeting with was saying the same thing. It's just like, wow. They kept saying, we have nothing, David, for the children. Uh, in terms of attractive material, evangelistic, you know, scripturally, biblically sound, scripturally loaded with an invitation to for them to receive Christ. So for two years, I looked around the world and I found nothing that that they were describing that they needed. So the Lord put on my heart to create the most important story and uh, met an individual by the name of Rick Osborne up in Canada, a very talented man with his graphics team. And we agreed to work on this. So over the course of the next 18 months or so, we developed it. I came up with a gospel outline. I took it back to all the different fields from India, Vietnam, uh, China, Cuba, and shared with the different leaders and saying, hey, is this the gospel outline you feel we should have? So we made some adjustments. And then in 1995, I wanted to produce it first in Vietnam. And so we produced 6,500 copies when it was illegal to reach out to kids. And the, the underground church at that point printed them. And through their distribution, and they had to share just one-on-one with kids, 1,534 kids individually put their faith in Christ. And I'm like, if that's the only thing we ever did with this book, it's worth it. But then, of course, it became much bigger than that subsequent to that. Wow. Talk for a moment about that growth. Uh, What did you do? What was the process of growing it? Where did it begin to have impact? And and, uh, then we'll get to, to where it is today. Well, the first thing, so we did Vietnamese first, and then next, of course, we did English and Spanish. And uh, and we, we created it initially just for our own use. So we were raising funds to give them out around the world and, you know, in the U.S., wherever. And interestingly, one of the very first who caught a real vision for it uh, was George Verwer, was the founder of Operation Mobilization. And in either uh, 96 or 97, he raised the funds and produced, uh, was able to purchase from us 200,000 copies that they began to use with OM through their ship's ministry and had a great impact all over. And they continue to use that to this day. It's on their ship, uh, Logos. Then the next ministry, I had contacted Samaritans first and I said, man, I've heard about Operation Christmas Child. I think you guys should be using this. And they're like, yeah, thanks. You know, we don't think so right now. And then the Canadian director went down to Cuba and everywhere he went, the churches, he saw the most important story. And so when he caught back, he he called Jim Harrelson at uh, Samaritan's Purse and said, hey, we need to look at this. And so for the next 15 years, we produced the most important story retitled for them, the greatest gift of all. And we went on to produce 40 million copies for them that were used all over the world. Wow. I mean, that's that's incredible to think about uh, just that original concept of providing something for young people, for for youth, for children that would be accessible. It's kind of like a a comic. It's a uh, colorful uh, children's book version uh, of the gospel story. It's it's incredible to see, and now in so many languages. Talk for a minute about that growth. How many languages is it available in now? Well, currently, we, we've actually produced more than this, but currently available on our website for free are 109 languages from Afrikaans to Zulu. 
So, Colin, if you speak any of those other languages, they're available to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that problem, unfortunately. Uh, I'm like most Americans. I'm unlucky to, to manage the English language. Yeah, right. Uh, let's, let's focus for a moment on this latest news, though, because I think it's important. You talked about working through George Verwer and Operation Mobilization. You talked about uh, getting it out through Samaritan's Purse, through the shoeboxes, which are both incredible on their own. But in the in the last year or two, you really have been working on a project uh, that makes this available literally to the whole world. Talk about the genesis of that and, and where it stands today. I really appreciate you highlighting this because that's really what we're doing right now. And in the last two years, there's a verse in Matthew 24, 14 that I know you know so well and your listeners would. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And that verse just kept coming back to me and just coming back to me. And then in Isaiah, two other verses that the Lord really used to move us in this direction. Isaiah eight eleven, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what does that mean specifically? And then a few verses down, it says, but shouldn't people ask God for guidance? So combining those, those three thoughts, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world. Don't think like everybody else and ask God for guidance. And when I put those three things together and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Colin, in just in October of 2021, the Lord put on my heart and my wife's heart, Linda, that we are to give the most important story to the world. Like, how could we sit on 109 languages, you know, when so many ministries are not going out there due to COVID restrictions and all of that? And if the Lord were to return and we're sitting there with 109 languages that could be used around the world, so we just said, you know what, we're going to trust the Lord in how to do this. And we're going to give the most important story in print, our print files. Christian publishers don't do this, Colin, as you know. I mean, to give them away in print. So any ministry in the world, any church in the world can print any of those languages. Those files are all online. And then the Lord also led us to make them digital so that people can share their faith with somebody who speaks Zulu or Afrikaans or Russian or whatever. And they can share it as a digital content of the gospel not just for kids, but for adults as well. And just go on our website and they can share it through Facebook, through email or whatever. So with your help, we would love to get the word out to the ministry world worldwide to share. Go on our website, use this, you know, just use print as many as you want. And Colin, the first ministry I contacted was in Holland and they they didn't have the budget. You know how ministry is. You have to raise everything to do, you know, whatever you want to do. And as soon as I told them they wouldn't have to pay the normal rate, you know, historically what we've done for the last 25 years. And they said, well, David, if we can, then this Christmas, which they've done is they want it. They went ahead and printed in five languages, Bulgarian, Bosnian, Albanian, Hungarian and Romanian printed 35,000 copies and are giving them out to kids in those regions. That wouldn't have happened if we hadn't made them available for free. So we want ministries worldwide to use these uh, files. I know you just did this back in October, but what kind of response have you seen? And and do you do you feel like it was the right decision to make? First of all, without a question, I know with all my heart it was the right decision. In terms of, of how it's going, I'm really encouraged with, you know, that ministry in Holland. Uh, I contacted George again, George Burwer, and told him he's got such a heart for India. I said, hey, George, we have 15 of the major languages of India go for it. So he's working on that right now. 
thinking of printing 10,000 copies in each of those 15 languages, which wouldn't have happened if we hadn't made this available. But I have to tell you, Colin, one of my frustrations is it has been really difficult to reach. We've contacted denominations, major ministries, and I don't know if they if there's a resistance, if they think it's not you know too good to be true. It's just hard to get word out. So I just so appreciate the opportunity with you that if we can get this word out and have ministries, there's no catch, you know, use the files. I mean, major organizations that you know and ministries and denominations, and it is hard to to get through their doors. Yeah, I would even maybe uh, say just we we obviously are all across the country and on podcast as well, on the radio across the country and on the internet as well. If your church doesn't have material for children that would present the gospel clearly, something you could hand to a child. It's available for that. So not only uh, around the world, but but literally in our own backyard, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's this, this could be used so broadly. And, you know, we haven't focused because my life has been outside of the U.S. and Canada. Really, we focused outside of, of North America. But there are millions and millions of kids and adults who need the gospel right in our back door or people that come, you know, relocate here, the Afghans, the, you know, the, in the border crisis, people coming across from South America. So this can be used in every community, both in English, Spanish, whatever language. So we just encourage, you know, folks to share this with ministries with their home churches, and I really appreciate you highlighting this, though, Colin. Absolutely. What do you think is the kind of the key, the the grabber about the most important story? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of materials out there, not as many maybe for children. What is it about the most important story that, that will grab a child's heart? Two, two things. It's the Word of God, 50% of it is actual scripture. And so we don't focus on just stories, you know, telling a nice story and, and not using the word of God. So it is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. We know that God's word does not return void. Secondly, is the artwork is, is because it's so animation style, colorful, that attracts kids and adults alike. So I would say those two things. And then I guess maybe a third factor that the Lord led us to start with creation, going from creation right through, you know, the fall of man, sin, the Lord being born, his life, his death and resurrection. But by starting the, the gospel outline that the Lord led us to among even the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the fact that it starts with creation has been really significant. And I've had, had many, many people comment on that. So I think those three things. The word of God itself, the artwork, and just how the Lord led us to this gospel outline, and then ending with a prayer of salvation that they can pray. And we've heard countless stories of kids and adults praying the prayer at the end of the book, asking the Lord to come into their lives. Uh, who would ever have thought a, a child that was raised in Vietnam, uh, missionary parents, would ultimately impact the world in another way like that? And that really, David, is something that we focus on on almost every program that we have on missions today is how God can use one individual who can say yes to what he wants them to do and can impact thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people, and we've seen it over and over again. David, for someone listening today who is wondering what God has for them, who is looking for that mission or that calling in their lives, what would you say to them today? If it's an unbeliever, somebody who hasn't yet come to faith in, in Christ, you know, the first thing they need to do is look heavenward. And, you know, we see in Romans where, you know, what's we see by his divine nature and, you know, power, 
what's been created, that God, there is a God there. And people in this time of crisis with COVID around the world, those who don't yet know the Lord need to look heavenward, find themselves a Bible, the most important story, you know, to, to really look at their, their lives and look to the Lord for, for hope. For, for the believers, I just think availability, that's been, you know, what I have just, Lord, use me, you know. So I think any young person out there, young or old, just that we make ourselves available to the Lord. And then what the Lord does is just, as you said, for me, you know, in my life, just beyond belief, I could have never imagined what the Lord would do. And it wasn't me. It's just, I was a vessel that the Lord chose to to work in and through. And he will do that with each and every one of us, Colin. Yes, he will, David. Yes, he will. Wow, what an incredible story of how God reaches down into our lives and directs us to truly amazing things if we'll just say yes. But before we move on, David just a few moments ago mentioned that there's really no way to find this path if you're not a Christ follower. It starts there because he's the one that gives us direction through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're listening today and you've never placed your trust in Christ, but you want to, would you pray this simple prayer with me right now? Lord, I know I've tried to do things myself. I know I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me on the cross and was raised again to give me abundant and eternal life. I put my faith and trust in Jesus today. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer in minute, you're now part of God's kingdom and he can begin to use you as you start to say yes to what he has for you along the way. If you prayed that prayer, I would also love to be able to share that with our team. Would you please email me and let me know? Lambert at missionstoday.com. Lambert at missionstoday.com. If you're already a Christ follower, I want to encourage you as well. Be looking every day for those opportunities to say yes to the Lord as he guides you. When you're looking and listening, he will begin to show you the way. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to talk with a man who as a boy wanted to be an architect. And now he's building houses in Mexico for people in need. If you've enjoyed our program today, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback for me, I'd love to hear from you as well. That email again, clambert at missionstoday.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.